1: Set aside this time, Lord, that you have carved out because in your word, it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to invade Brenda's thoughts of how she is overcoming all of these past things And that door is being closed and the Holy Spirit is moving forward and her life has totally been changed by the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you. We pray peace over Brenda. We pray that calmness, the peace that passes all understanding, that she will be able to speak your words, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. amen thanks so much diane thank you yes.
1: you're very welcome oh
3: my goodness you guys <laughs>
1: <clears throat> um,
3: i like all of a sudden don't know if i can even talk without crying so i just wanted to um just to thank you for being willing to come on here and share your story um with us and kb i'll let you introduce once i can stop <laughs> crying But this, I just want you to know that I am so proud of you and um, thank you for being here with us.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: All right. So, you probably have no idea what is happening if you're just tuning in and heard all of that. Um, I guess that I'll just start by saying Steph and I have talked, you know, like over the past three years, a lot about um, a lot of things we've shared bits and pieces of, but when it's not our journey or our story, we try to, you know, respect that even if it's happening in our family and, you know, you have shared so openly your, you know, your history with alcohol and your, um, sobriety journey now. And, um, I've talked on here about how we lost my cousin, Chad, um, to alcohol. Now I'm going to cry. Um, but I've always kept private the fact that my mom struggled as well for a really long time. And, um, she's here. I've like kept keep, um, changing her flight so that she can never leave. (laughs) She's been here for like, this is our third flight now that we've, um, rebooked, but so she's here and, you know, we had talked, I don't know, maybe six months into her sobriety about when she hit a year that maybe she would be willing to share her testimony and, um, she recently actually did, which I wasn't going to ask her because it was never something that was like openly talked about. Um, but once she like kind of put it out there, I thought, well, maybe now would be the time she just celebrated one year on the day that she got here was her one year, um, praise God. you know, yeah, praise God. Um, and so On that day, she was asked to share her, her, her testimony on the day of her one year anniversary. And I just thought that like, that is God, you know, that's not just a coincidence. And so she did it. And then she flew here that night, which was so wonderful because I was trying so hard to think of like how I could like celebrate her or show her how much, you know, how proud we were of her. And, um, so it was just great because then I just, I actually got to see her on that day and now, um, before she leaves, I just wanted her to be able to share a little bit of her story. Awesome. So here you
2: are. First podcast. Right.
0: <laughs>
2: well, hi, everybody. Steph, it's good to see you.
3: You too. I wish I could have actually seen you guys and hugged you. <laughs> it will happen. Aww. Maybe I just to come home with her next time.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's always kind of hard for me to know where to start, but, you know, through this journey of, um, my alcoholism, I really needed to kind of stop and look back and try to put all the pieces together. And, um, I do kind of start back a ways in my story. Um, you know, alcoholism has been a, a family generational curse, basically and um my dad who i just love so much um really struggled with alcoholism and kind of when i'm thinking back um i remember that actually his own brother had taken his life and um my dad bore a lot of that guilt and um and carried it with him for a long time and i watched him then his alcohol alcoholism manifest in him and and really take him down for a while after that occurred and um you know we had a really nice family and 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 there were so many good times and and i sort of described it as there was just a lot of sunshine that was over our house but there were also a lot of days a lot of cloudy days and um some storms that we had to deal with and go through um So I guess in moving forward, I um, had older siblings, and another thing that was pretty traumatic in our family was that um, both my brother and sister had gone off to college. They were just a year apart, and my older sister um, originally was pursuing a career in fashion and merchandising. And then um, eventually that changed to counseling. And my mom had even mentioned at one point, she thought about ministry. Um, um, So anyway, she went off to college and this particular year, um, she was going to come home for the weekend. And at the last minute she called and said she changed her plans. She had gotten invited to a dinner party by a friend and that she decided she was going to go to that and, um, stayed up there. Uh, she went to the dinner party and quickly found out that this was basically a party that was, um, the exploitation of women. Um, there were like At this point, she was one of the last to get inducted into this basically uh, exploitation of women and uh, rape and um, and blackmail. Um, You know, it's just hard for me to even imagine what those days were like for her and the fear. Um, They at the party were told that um, they were all a part of this group. They um, were with the mafia that um, if they tried to leave, there were henchmen at the bottom of the door that wouldn't let them leave. Um, they were at an apartment. And um, that if they tried to go to the police, the police had been tipped off and paid. And and if they were to go to the police, they would they would be killed. So this went on and on because of the of being blackmailed, and they were so afraid. And I know, even at one point, um, it had been shared that, for instance, in her situation, he knew she had a little sister, which would have been me. That you know, and it, again, if you tell, I would fill her so full of heroin, she would never, she'd she'd never come out of it. Um, so it was just constant um threats. So um. I'm not exactly sure how many months this went on, um, but several months. And I, I believe it was in the springtime when she and the friend who had invited her, um, the last kind of the last two girls, um, decided they didn't care, honestly, that if they lived or died anymore, and they chose to go to the police. And I remember, um, hearing, you know, they were in the back of that police car and they didn't know you know if they were gonna if they were gonna get killed before they you know got to share their story or however it all came about. but um, so they did go to the police and I, I kind of remember those times too that you know I remember our parents getting called and um, I knew something really, really bad was going on. But, you know, in those days, you didn't share a lot with your kids either. And I'm not sure if that was, you know, better or worse, because sometimes the fear of not knowing is worse than the fear of what really was. Although I will say this was pretty darn scary, um, not knowing, you know, who we were dealing with. Um. So, um. you know, there were just pictures and just horrible things. And even, you know, the police at that point didn't know if they wanted to put the women through any kind of major trial because it, you know, of what, what do I want to say? Like the cross defense would be and how hard it would be on the girls after they had already been through so much. Um, so, um, so they were working the case and, um, I believe, I believe she came home for the summer and then went back off to college that fall and, you know, in, in hopes that things were settling down and, uh, back off to college. And she and her friend, Lisa had gotten back and Lisa had gone, um, out on a shopping trip. She was going to just head downtown, um, to pick up some shoes and things and, Um, It got later in the day and she never returned. And um, prior to this, her friend Lisa, uh, who was a journalist student, said that she decided she was going to write a book about this man who had done this to them. And uh, he had even been, um, he had even, they had even reached out to him to let him know about this for whatever reason um, through his attorney and she started writing this book. Um, and it, the book started out, actually, and today a man walks free because Iowa, at that point, had recently changed their rape laws. And um, anyway, so she had started writing this book. And then I'll get back. She had gotten back to school, went down on a shopping trip, and uh, she never returned. And of course, people were out searching for her and looking for her. And, um, I believe it was like two days later, they found her raped, beaten, strangled body in a ditch near the town that they were going to college at. And to this day, um, they've never, they've never found out who did it, um, you know, we were told that this man wasn't associated, um, with the mafia. Um, and, and we'll probably never know yes or no, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but you can imagine the fear, um, that was going on inside of, for, especially for my sister, but just for all of us, there was just this intense fear, um, so um to fast forward a little bit um she she did end up marrying my sister ended up marrying and um they eventually had this sweet little boy the first grandson in the family um chad and um he was just a joy and such a light um And, um, of course, just emotionally over the years, um, you know, this fear um, just overtook her to where she was just having a hard time really functioning in her life. And um, my parents ended up with Chad more and more, and she started making just kind of some bad decisions in her life and, uh, which made my parents worry and also why they ended up having Chad so much in their lives. Um, and, um, so he spent a lot of time with my mom and dad and he was especially, um, especially fond of my father, uh, my sister and her husband divorced not long after Chad was born. He was probably like 18 months old. And, um, so it finally came to a point where they were pretty much raising him full time. And, uh, again, with, with her emotional illness, you know, anger, and I, I'm sure guilt led up to her becoming very angry with my parents. And, uh, she took it out on them, and um, she told them that my parents were abusing her and possibly abusing Chad. And um, so on a particular day, I happened to have Chad at my house. He was four and Kristen was two, and we had played in the morning, and I had just laid them dip down for a nap, and um, I... got a knock at my door and it was a police car out in my driveway and it was the Department of Human Services and she had um, made these charges official and so they were um, at my house and asked me to give them Chad and they were going to put him in foster care So I went, and I had to wake this little boy up from a nap. And I had to hand him over. And his words to me were, Brenny, Brenny, don't let him take me. Brenny, don't let him take me. And um, they took him, and, you know, we had no idea where they were taking him um and he um was put into foster care and until maybe just a few years ago um he never really talked about it but we were actually here at kristen's house and we were sitting outside around the pond him just him and i and he told me, you know, it wasn't good there. It wasn't good there at all. So that was a pretty rough patch in his life. Of course, my parents did everything they could to get that little boy back. Um, lawyers and um, and I mean, I I remember doing depositions on the phone because. She, uh, they were trying to get full custody, legal custody of him, and just so many things going on. Um, so eventually, um, my dad was able to sober up even through all that, and they did get sole custody of Chad. Um, and, and, and he lived with them. Um, and it was just, Kind of the sun started to shine again for a little bit, you know. Um, So um, on a hot July afternoon, it was the day after Chad's eleventh birthday, Um, July twelfth, nineteen. I'm sorry, June twelfth, nineteen ninety. My dad was out mowing the lawn on a really hot day, and. He was 54 and he had a massive heart attack. And I was in shock and disbelief. And by the time I got to their house, I looked out and there was this little boy sitting outside in the backyard, just crying and and I, yeah. And my grandpa was there, and he said, "Just, just leave him for a minute. Just leave him. Just leave him be for a minute, and then go to him." But anyway, um, with that, um, with that, you know, another big hurdle to overcome, and and Chad continued. Um, on living with my mom and went to school and had wonderful friends and parents of wonderful friends who all supported him and were, were so loving in his life. And he was so blessed to have them. Um, and, um, As time went on, again, his mom was was still in the picture and just, you know, continued to just slowly decline. Um, But he was always there for her, always had a heart for her and love for her. Um, And eventually he went off to college. Um, And um, he was... Uh, pursuing a finance career and in February of 1998 um, I had actually gotten a call from my sister and she was just you know beside herself and um, you know I didn't know what to do for her there were so many things that had led up to this and things that we had tried to do and and prayed and and did what we could. But on um, February 8th of 1998, she decided she couldn't do it anymore. And um, she jumped off an overpass. Um, The thing about this particular overpass was, it was the overpass that Chad had to drive under every day to go to college, every day. (laughs) So it's kind of a constant reminder, but this beautiful, loving, strong light of a young man persevered and went on to graduate magna cum laude as valedictorian of his class And went on to pursue a finance major um, in the cities in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, you know, it takes more than just knowledge, really, to to be good in that game. He had a talent, <clears throat> and from what we were told, he was good at what he did. Um, and this young man became went on to become very, very successful. But I think that we all know in this life that, you know, it's not all about success. Because his heart just yearned for, honestly, my dad. And, um, you know, for the losses in his life, the big losses. And um, anyway, he, he carried on and did a great job for a while. And... Um, until then, we we realized that alcohol was becoming a really big part in his life and um, was slowly taking him down. Um, and you know, he was just so much fun for so long and and so successful. We just we honestly didn't see it coming on until, boom. And I'm not exactly even sure. When it first came to a head, but it finally had gotten to a point, um, after he had gotten married and also had a beautiful, beautiful baby girl, um, that alcohol was controlling his life and taking over his life to where he wasn't functioning well anymore either. And, um, you know, my, my wonderful brother would make trips up to be with him and talk with him and, and you know, reason with him and try to help him. Um, but I think there was something in Chad that he just couldn't let go. You know, it wasn't, I think, I, I don't think it wasn't that he didn't want to. I think there was something in him that he just—he just wanted to be with them. He just wanted to be with them, and and it wasn't that he didn't have love for his little girl and his and his family. It's just he didn't know how. He just didn't know how to do it. So get that
3: love he wasn't loved the way he just wanted to be seen you know he just wanted to be loved and
2: yeah yep and it was just yeah so um he went to several treatments um several treatments and um he'd get out and he'd do well for a while and we'd think yes yes Got our Chad back, you know, and and he'd would walk into those family gatherings, and he was always just a light, you know. He'd walk in, and and I, I'd just feel the light go on in the room when he'd walk in. The smile, the charisma, the oh, it's just hard to explain, and um, the personality, and and the sense of humor, but. That disease, you know, that disease is a rough one. And uh, after several um, tries and treatment, we knew um, we were getting down to or it was very serious, you know, very serious with his health. And um,
3: so do you think that you're you all? obviously always felt guilt or wanted to help him and that's and all of these things obviously that you had been through when did your
0: we're going to end it kind of abruptly here with Steph asking um, my mom a question i wanted to hop on here and we didn't know as we were recording that we were going to make it a two-part episode but after it was long and there was emotion and so much going on so we're splitting it up and we're ending it right here. I had so much I was so activated yeah. at the end of this recording. And so I just wanted to like I've gone through like this whole gamut of emotions after listening to my mom share her story. Um initially I will say and you you may be I know Steph was able to kind of like read it on my face as we were recording and I know that I probably sounded like I wasn't able to really like pretend like how I was feeling. So yeah. when I'm in responding or when I'm breaking in, I'm sure that in my voice you can hear, I don't, fr- it was frustration. I just felt triggered. I'm not going to lie. Like while, she, while my mom was sharing her story, which is, makes complete sense if you're me yeah. and it also is really unfair to my mom because I shouldn't be deciding how she shares her story or what parts of her story that she shares, right? So I was getting frustrated that she was sharing like Chad's story. But I know now looking back, just, I I was able to see it like within just a very short time after we stopped recording was just that like, she needs to get this part of her story out and she's never shared the story. In fact, like much of that, you know, like I was, you could hear me like crying at the beginning, like some of that stuff I had no, I didn't know. Yeah, And it's a very, you know, like I knew bits and pieces, but I was little. And so that stuff wasn't really shared with me. Well, I'm
3: so Um, glad it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She did. It was the right thing by not sharing that with me, but yeah. um, So it was just so important for her to get the background of the story, you know, and she's never been willing to share this story before and, you know, it's her testimony and it's her life and it's her journey and she gets to share it exactly how she wants. But what I recognize is that now that she's been willing, you know, you've heard me all these, all these years really saying like, you know there's this struggle in our family but it's not my story to share well i feel like this feeling now that now that my mom has come and shared her story now i can share my story and it was almost like i was wanting her to share my story and that's not her job her job yeah. is to share her story and however she wants but now i feel like i have this freedom to be like okay my mom's an alcoholic and this is what it was like for me and this is what i went through yeah. and you know when we got done i said i'm like mom like you shared chad's story and i just could see i almost like took the life out of her for a second and i felt so bad like i went through like all of this like within like the hour after (laughs) recording because then i felt so guilty because like i made her feel bad and she just did this like super brave thing and sharing you know so brave. very clear
3: that chad's story was the cause of her pain and how badly she wanted to help him and it's what kept her there and not addressing it is, you know, I was sharing that with you. It's like so mm-hmm. many people that have these addiction problems and can get better, it's because they never they don't address back to the root causes.
0: I was just saying that that to Courtney. I had Courtney literally the minute after we hung up minute. and it was like, God because I needed it. So I was so activated and then I was feeling so guilty and I was frustrated and I was sad. I felt sad after listening to that story. It's so heavy and I felt sad for my mom and I felt sad for my family and I felt sad for Chad. And then I felt guilty for feeling like I felt, you know, like it was so much. And I guess that's all really makes sense. And is really normal for like going, you know, back like that. Um, But mostly I just want to say like, I'm just so proud of my mom and I'm so grateful, you know, and she like, she's actually, I'm in Nashville right now and she's on a, she's at the airport with Luca right now. They're heading back to Iowa. She's been at my house for two weeks. She is literally the most wonderful, hardworking, strong, amazing woman in the entire world. And I would have never been able to describe her like that in the midst of her being so sick. Yeah. Um, I'm just so grateful, you know, for where where we're all at as a family now. And like that, she's just like getting these relationships back with the boys and, you know, with my sister and I, and, um, yeah, I, I just, I just needed to be able to come on here. And it's like, almost like maybe no one would have even known, no one knew how I was feeling unless they could read like, and you knew, but I needed to like, come on here and just say that, it was okay that I felt all that stuff and it was absolutely okay how she chose to share her story. And it all makes sense for all of it. And, you know, I just felt like one, just so proud of her, so grateful for her. And then so free now to be able to share my part of the story. And I think that's what the trigger was is that, we yeah. went through so much. And when I told her that, you know, after we were sitting outside and she's like, maybe you can help me like piece that together for me. And maybe that would be like really good for me to know, because honestly, she doesn't even know.
3: Yeah. She has no idea the pain that you guys went through. And sometimes that's the hardest part as the receiving end of the person, oh, you know, totally. it's like, yeah. okay, but, but I'm- what about us?
0: yeah oh right right and yeah. that felt like that felt selfish to me for thinking that but it's not, no, it's not. and also like it's it's again like, it's okay for her to her show up what...
3: a very long time and that's one thing about both of us you know like we don't tell other people's stories and it's right and that's hard as a podcaster somebody or you know how we show up just on sharing our, our
0: life video. yeah yeah. Like,
3: like, it's like, we can share the pieces of our life that we can share of yeah. us, not yeah. of the stories. Like we aren't, we don't, we aren't storytellers. Like we don't tell the other people. And, and
0: we're just respecting our people. You know, like I, I always wanted to respect that. And I knew that it's not something she wanted out into the world, which is why I'm so, so, so Proud of her. But also, why I know why she needed to share that part of the story. And it is absolutely relevant and it's absolutely her journey. And again, like, I'm just, mom, I love you so much and I'm so proud of you. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to share here. And I know that it wasn't easy. And it's You did an incredible job, and it it's perfect exactly the way you did it. So, yeah, 100%. Um, I just wanted part to say that. Two too. Is part two is Part two is really the redemption, right? It's really yeah. where God came in and saved her life. And so I just hope that you'll tune in for part two next week. Yeah. And, and that's all. I just yeah. I just needed to get on here and be able to say that. So. I'm
3: so, so proud of her also. I text her afterwards, and it's just –
0: you know, it's generational hurt or
3: it's the reasons why, like, nobody can tell somebody else that their reasons for being hurt or being stuck in something are not valid, you know? Exactly.
0: And, exactly. yeah, Exactly. And that's where, and, 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 it's, and it's funny because I had guilt for feeling like I didn't yeah. like how she did it when <laughs> I know that that's exactly how she needed to tell it. And, you know, it's just, it's this whole healing journey. And I, I even said to Courtney, like, I'm just so sad for people that everyone doesn't have access to this type of like therapy and healing, because if you never get to the root of the problem, you can never really get past the problem. And um, And then you
3: hurt the people that matter the most along the way. (laughs)
0: 100%. Yes. So, all right. Well, happy Monday, everybody. Yes. um, Tune in for part two next week. And um, I'd love to hear from you, you know, if you can resonate with the story, if you've, you know, we and have a experienced lot of people this. that
3: really do enjoy when we talk about this because it's so very real for people on both sides mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of of the the trauma or the problem or the addiction or whatever. And you know,
0: and there's such a stigma attached where people it's something people don't want to talk about. But please just message us if yeah. you know you need a prayer or you want to share your story or whatever that looks yeah. like. So, Yay. okay, well, happy Monday, everybody. Happy happy Monday